Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Picture Rewind, the special series here on Oscar Central, in which Lex and I are discussing previous Best Picture winners during the Oscars offseason. And today is a very exciting day because it is our first movie musical that we're going to be discussing. If you didn't already know this, if you couldn't just tell from, uh, you know, having heard us before, Lex and I are both theater kids. Um, so this is a very exciting episode and we're very excited to get to the couple of other movie musicals that we have to discuss. Um, but today we're going to be talking about My Fair Lady. Lex, how are you doing? Doing fantastic. I'm really excited that I get to talk about a Best Picture winner that I love and um, talk about some spicy drama that happened between two of my favorite actresses in regards to it. I am also excited because I think this is actually the first movie that we're discussing that we have like fairly different opinions on um, because I do not love this film, um, which is exciting. You know, I feel like our tastes align so much that thus far we've been pretty in step with each other on the films that we've discussed um so that should be fun but for those who don't know uh my fair lady was a 1964 musical comedy drama adapted from the 1956 learner and low musical which was an adaption of george bernard shaw's 1913 play pygmalion uh the screenplay was by alan j Lerner, and it was directed by george is it cougar is that how you say it i think so Okay, I just suddenly saw the word and panicked. Uh, <laughs> it stars Audrey Hepburn, Rex Harrison, who reprised his role from the uh, stage production, Stanley Holloway, Gladys Cooper, and Wilfred Hyde-White. Uh, it was the highest grossing film of 1964, and it made $72.7 .7 million at the box office, received very positive reviews when it came out, um, has had some interesting retrospective pieces written on it like in the last two to three decades, um, not as positive, but it was chosen for the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress in 2018. Um, one of the, you know, things that's interesting about it is that Audrey Hepburn's singing was dubbed by Marnie Nixon, um, which was not something that she agreed to. I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit. Uh, Jeremy Brett's songs were dubbed by Bill Shirley, uh, and Rex Harrison did, was not dubbed. He instead, like, sing speaks all of his stuff but he actually declined to like record his songs ahead of time as was typical um and he chose to record all of his songs live uh which was the first time that a wireless microphone was used to record singing during a film because before then it had always been a thing where you record the singing in the studio and then you you um like lip sync to it whenever you're filming um but he apparently was the first person to insist on doing it live so you know tom hooper was just trying to be you know inspired by rex harrison uh all of these songs from the original musical were used except for the instrumental busker sequence uh but it did have some verses omitted lines changed things like that but it is a fairly um thorough adaptation of the musical uh because it is an incredibly long movie so um long. i had completely forgotten how long it was until i sat down to rewatch it uh but lex what's like your history your background with my fair lady as a musical as a as the film where do you stand with my fair lady so the year was 2012 <laughs> and i had seen breakfast at tiffany's for the first time 
And I was like, dear God, I want to watch everything Audrey Hepburn has ever been in. And I have. I have seen Audrey Hepburn's entire filmography. (laughs) I have seen Breakfast at Tiffany's. I have seen Sabrina. I have seen Funny Face, Charade. um, Roman Holiday. Roman Holiday, of course. Of course. Can you imagine if I was like, actually, no. Um, (laughs) But, um, and I've seen War and Peace. Which, if you know me, mm. I love War and Peace, but my least favorite adaptation is the film with Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> not that um, one. <laughs> I think not that one. Um, I think she's a wonderful Natasha. I think everyone else sucks. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's right. But I, of course, you know, had to get to my fair lady. Um, how can you not? I feel like when you think iconic Audrey Hepburn roles, you automatically go to breakfast at tiffany's and you automatically go to roman holiday but i would say this one is maybe next um or sabrina but the, yeah, you know say one of those that, like, people associate with audrey hepburn mm-hmm. um and being a theater kid like i was aware of this musical's existence mm-hmm. and i knew that like the rain in spain and i knew i could have danced all night like there were songs i knew from it but i didn't know the musical itself um I will be completely honest. If you asked me, do you want to see a stage version of this musical? I'd say, no, thank you. Um, Because (laughs) I take issue with the plot, but I love this movie. And I don't really like, I don't know. There's something about movie musicals from the 60s that just really do it for me. This feels very reminiscent of one of my other favorite movies of all time that is a movie musical that was nominated in this same season that I'm sure we'll get to. It feels very reminiscent of Mary Poppins in a lot of ways. Um, Mary Poppins is also very long of a movie. I think we forget that. Um, And I love Audrey Hepburn's performance in this. Um, You know, she is dubbed, but her, um, you can't really tell, which is, impressive i was like watching to look for it this time and yeah. it really they did a great job with it they did a really good job um her cockney accent i know that it's supposed to be like crazy because i know it's supposed to be that he shaped her up into a nice lady yeah. but good god the like it made me think of that moira rose bit where she, they're trying yep. to get a cheaper car um, or it made me think of like, I don't know, when you'd go see a high school production of Les Miserables, which if you've never seen a high school production of Les Miserables, you're missing out. I beseech you. Um, it's it's very it, funny that it happened the same year as Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. I was literally thinking that the entire time I was rewatching that today yep. of like, they should have had at the Oscars a bit where Audrey Hepburn and Dick Van Dyke are being like, oh yeah, like, I'm a chim nice sweet. Um yep. But I know it's a bit, really my thought was like, and I texted you this, I was like, in another life, Audrey Hepburn would have been a really good Mrs. Lovett. That's I'm true. Um, because I think this shows, you know, when we think Audrey Hepburn, we obviously go to like the fashion icon, right? We go to like mm-hmm. the glamour and the poise and everything that like was associated with her. But like we discredit how gifted of an actor she truly was. Yeah how good of a comedic actress she, she was, was so she had wonderful comedic timing and she was so good at like not even i mean she could do physical comedy like she does in this movie she can do you know more um 
kind of like slapstick almost but she can also do really good subtle comedy um yes i think charade actually showcases that best Mm -hmm. but i don't know there is something about there's something about the opening sequence where it's literally just shots and shots of flowers where i'm like uh yeah this is this is (laughs) i'm gonna enjoy and it's all those flowers and then it's everyone in exaggerated british accents and i'm like cinema baby um (laughs) So as much as I take issue with the musical, I take issue with Henry Higgins. Um, she, she comes back and he's like, where the devil are my slippers? I would have taken his slipper and whacked him over the head with it. I've been like, you little hoe. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, I, I it's, it's charming. It's just such a charming film. It's, I miss the days where it's like, we just, and listen, I'm not one of those people that wants to suggest that like, cinema was better back in the day because obviously there were a lot of issues with cinema back in the day but if there is one thing that i wish we relied on more it was just simple storytelling um and yeah yeah i honestly do not know the first time that i saw this movie because i definitely like grew up watching it i would guess i was probably five or six maybe the first time that i saw it um when i was a young kid i was like like five six seven I was very into like my fair lady Gigi Oklahoma um I'm trying to think state fair was another movie musical film that I watched all the time um and and so like in my mind it kind of belongs with with that set most of which I no longer like (laughs) because I think that this is sort of the period of movie musical where they're very beautiful and there is something quite charming about like the sound stage um you know production design and like how how incredibly you can tell that everything is a backdrop um oh sunrise for seven brothers that's my other one that i was raised on um my sister is named after the baby and seven brides and seven brothers um but i remember liking it as a kid it was not my favorite um of the like movie musicals that i rotated between um but i do love audrey hepburn and i as like a preteen, i went through a really strong audrey hepburn phase um where i was very into like roman holiday breakfast at tiffany's sabrina um all of that i think that this is such an interesting audrey role because even if you think about like the poster image for it and sort of how i think generally she's thought of in this film it's in that dress from the horse race sort of the post-transformation version of her and so every time I watch it I'm like taken by surprise again at like how much of the film is her in the like cockney accent pre-transformation physical comedy side of it all um but I I really had just written it off as like I don't like My Fair Lady as a show um like as a musical I'm not a big fan of like most musicals pre-1970 um I'm not a Rodgers and Hammerstein girly I'm not really a learner and low girly um I really like showboat um but that's about it for early things um but I went to see this production when it was at the Lincoln Center a few years ago um because I wanted to see Laura Benanti who I love I wanted to see Harry Hatton Patton who I love as Henry Higgins I also thought that was a really interesting casting dynamic because it was putting the Henry Higgins and the uh, Eliza Doolittle much closer in age to each other and I was blown away 
Um, and I fell in love with the revival and I ended up seeing it three times because God bless Lincoln Center pricing. Um, because the Lincoln Center production directed by Bartlett Shear um, took, you know, it, it used all the text in the songs of the Learner Love musical, but it also incorporated a few things to sort of bring it a little bit back closer to Pygmalion, um, which is the source material, which I infinitely prefer to the musical version of it. Um, because I think that when Lerner and Lowe made it into a musical, they lost a lot of the social commentary that is in it, and they lost a lot of the nuance that's in the story sort of originally and what it's trying to say about, um, you know, the class system in Britain in this time period and all of that. Um, like, I'm I'm not afraid to say this. I'm like, at the time, it was like a, a sort of hush-hush thing in the theater community of like, don't spoil it. But um, one thing that they did in the revival is that they had, you know, she comes back to him at the end and he says, Eliza, where the devil are in his slippers. And she leaves. She walks back out. Um, which truly, the first time I saw it, I like was in shock for like 10 minutes afterwards because I was like, they finally gave me the ending I've wanted since I was a kid. I was like, Henry Higgins has never once deserved Eliza Doolittle. Um, and the, another thing that I hadn't watched the movie since having seen it on stage. And another thing that kind of struck me is how um, there's a weird like through line in the show about the fact that Eliza's father is abusive. Um and it's often played for laughs in the film, which is very much like a product of its time and everything. Um, whereas they played it very seriously in the Lincoln Center revival. And I thought that that added a really interesting element in terms of sort of the gender dynamics in the show, the class dynamics, the um, reasons that Eliza Doolittle is willing to throw herself into this experiment and the reason it takes her so long to sort of demand better treatment. Um, so that was one thing that sort of struck me rewatching it was that like, that's definitely played for laughs and, and it that I think has not aged well. Um, I also do think that, like, the film does not go in as heavy on a lot of the class commentary, um, that is sort of lurking beneath it. Um, but yeah, I, I also hate Rex Harrison's Henry Higgins so much. He makes him such an irredeemable character. Um, I really wish I could, like, be transported and know what like the teen girlies in 1964 were saying about Henry Higgins like did they all hate him or were they like or were they trying to enemies to lovers this I need to know someone let me know if, if you were a teen girl were people writing fan fictions back then <laughs> I really I mean, actually I'd really like to know like they weren't okay. getting published I'm sure but like were girls like buying diaries and being like YN meets with Henry Higgins <laughs> okay i mean to be fair paradise loss is just like bible fanfic so i'm gonna assume yes um Ryan is just trying to sell her flowers to the upperclassmen okay actually this is like kind of tangentially related but i think the listeners will find it interesting too so i'm going to share it i was listening to the audiobook of emma by jane austen the other day and there was this bit 
that threw me so far off and I don't know how I'd like never noticed it in the book before but essentially there's this whole part where Emma's it's like in the part where she's like mm, I think that Frank Churchill is in love with me um but he's like returned to wherever it is that he goes and she, it talks about how she like spends all of her time imagining conversations between them or letters they could write to each other and I'm like Jane Austen was writing about maladaptive daydreaming in the early 1800s like girls have always been what we are like <laughs> um which is to say I think yes the girlies were writing fan fiction about Henry Higgins or maybe about Freddie I don't know because honestly like like justice for Freddie justice for Freddie he he was a nice guy and he was in love with her and he also like embraced her oddities like yeah. he he literally comes to her house and is like hello I would like to see the lady who was so funny at the racetrack today I liked when she said when she yelled at the horses like you know if Joseph Quinn showed up to my home yeah and was like hello uh where's the girl that yelled at the horses and you know I would yell at a horse um yeah, you would I would be swinging from the rafters of my home and be like hello my cockney accents back <laughs> um the thing is that joseph quinn is actually so freddy coded stop um, it stop it he is though yeah <laughs> check out my Why? ao3 account pedro pascal as professor <laughs> you stop that oh my god wait stop can you imagine wait, when i said that i don't want to see a production of my fair yeah. lady that is not to say that I would not be in a production of Five. Okay, Fair. actually though, Deadass, like imagine like Oscar Isaac as Henry Oh my god. Oscar <laughs> Isaac as Henry Higgins or no, Pedro Pascal should play Eliza's father. Wow. Okay, so then it doesn't make sense if I am the daughter of That's fine. Da- it's fine. It's, it's fine. Please make Listen, it in. Broadway producers, if you're listening. I actually think it's maybe a funny angle. The Majestic Theater is empty, and I know how to fill it. It's maybe a funny angle if there's, like, the low-key implication that, like, Eliza's mom was getting it on with somebody else. <laughs> Wait, yeah, that adds, that adds a little spice. A little spice. I think I would do a fantastic job of Wouldn't It Be Loverly. I think, yeah, you know what? I agree. I'd skip around my stage with my little I think you would kill Just You Wait, like, genuinely. Mm. Um, Show me a very Lex-coded song. Well, thank Um, you. Yeah. Um, I would yell at horses at the race. I, no, I would. I would be like, oh, yes, I'm going to go be a lady and then go (laughs) yell at a horse in my Uber Cockney accent. I'm now literally like, is Eliza Doolittle a Lex-coded character? Let me know. Well... This was um this has been Best Picture Rewind. Have a good one. <laughs> I love this discovery for us. Well, now I can't stop thinking about like not like, oh my god, I'm so Eliza Coda, but like I'm just thinking if I were to play this role, I would yeah. love to sit there with my little basket of flowers and be like, oh, I'm just trying to make an old living, same as you. I love that. You can't take so away much. my life, like see if you're listening and you're a Broadway producer, I don't know how I how I've not told you. Tony, here I come. I'm so done. I also like that in our last episode, we presumed that Tom Hiddleston was listening. And now, you know, who would be a good producer? Henry Higgins. Don't say that. I'm just saying. Don't say that to me. And then instead of doing the rain in Spain, I'm like, (laughs) you take a paw paw. I can't. Prickly pear. (laughs) 
you prick a raw paw next time beware but like look how great i am at talking okay but like maybe he's like <laughs> i need to not think about him as <laughs> um to the listeners wow. Nicole literally just fan herself a little bit <laughs> all right moving on from the joe curie for freddie um anyways. stop it okay so <laughs> i um join us on my ao3 account i don't really have yeah. an ao3 account i joke about it not that there's anything wrong with having an AO3 account. Um, but maybe I'll make one where I do fan casts and fan fictions of my fair lady. I love this. I wait, okay, hold on. I I'm totally getting us off of our discussion or like what we're supposed to be talking about, but I have to know now. Sure. Is that a thing that exists? Like, do people write? Oh, my fair lady fan fiction? Yeah. For a second, I thought you meant fan fiction just in general. I was like, do what? people write fan fiction? I was yeah, like, no, I know about that. 2023. No, I want to know if there's My Fair Lady fan fiction out there. Hold on, I'm going to look. <laughs> I'm going to find out real time. My Fair Lady, specifically the 1964 film, there are 87 on AO3. Tag I know what oh. I'm reading tonight. Oh, there's some fascinating stuff going on in here. Smut? No, um, like, like, uh, what do you call it whenever it's like self-insert? No, combining it with other fandoms. Oh, um, like cross universe. Yeah, like there's the first one is like, well, the first one is I guess essentially like a lame is, but like my fair lady alternate universe. Okay, um, we're okay. We're Ebony people... is a flower seller. Um. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Okay, there's also one in which <laughs> Freddy goes to World War One. Our time which... period, French Revolution, World War One. To um, be fair, actually, I do think that with the year it's set in, he probably would end up in the war. Oh, um, sure, World War One, but not yeah. the French Revolution. There's um, a Hermione. I think Eponine and Eliza would have been friends. There's a Hermione and Snape. Ew. My Fair Lady AU. Excuse me. What and like uh, Hermione's supposed to be Eliza and Snape is Higgins? Yep, yep. I don't like that. What is Ron supposed to be? Freddy? Oh my god! Wait, hold on. I don't like that. Hold on. I I Hi, went I um, went by please, it. Please go to my Ao3 account, Eddie Munson Lives Five Ever, where <laughs> I will publish my um My Fair Lady Stranger Things AU, where um Eddie Munson is Eliza and Steve Harrington is Higgins. <laughs> I think people would read it. I don't know what to do with that. People uh, would read it. The thing is, though, that Steve Harrington is such a Freddy. Like, no, he is. Like, he he actually is rolling up at people's houses, being like, "I just like being on your street. I brought flowers." Uh, <laughs> okay, wait. There's a vampire one. Okay, I, God, I know what here. I'm reading tonight. Deadass, I'm gonna send you a link. <laughs> Okay, anyways. <laughs> I'm not editing this out. Sure, I know. I, you better not. I mean, this is, this, is this not what the people want? This is, this is the good content. This is the good content. Um, It's the dollar store. How good could it be? Yeah. Uh, are we ready? Do, do you have anything else that you want to say about the film before we talk about Oscars? No, I was, I was going to make another joke, but no. <laughs> okay. Um, we're so... going to put this to bed. <laughs> 
Yep, yep. For now. Uh, so <laughs> on air. We will um, wake it back up. Yes, we will. Not when we're being recorded. Um, this was the 37th Academy Awards. Uh, Bob Hope hosted it. It was his 14th time hosting. Which, considering how there were 37 Academy Awards, yep. that's almost half. That's honestly incredible. Um, So, as you hinted earlier, one of the big controversies of this year, I like that we had the last episode that we did was, like, the Moonlight La La Land controversy, and this one is the Best Actress controversy, Um, which is that Audrey Hepburn was not nominated for Best Actress, um, probably because she had been cast in the film rather than Julie Andrews, who had played the role on Broadway, um, and who won Best Actress this year for Mary Poppins. Um, And also because Audrey Hepburn's singing was dubbed by Marnie Nixon. It was like a whole thing. Um, I also found it very interesting that this was the first year that someone received an Oscar for hair and makeup. Um, Best Makeup and Hairstyling didn't actually become a category until 1981, but William J. Tuttle was given an honorary Oscar this year for his work on a film called Seven Faces of Dr. Lau. Uh, this is also the only year in Oscar history in which three different films received 12 or more nominations. That is partially because this is in the time period where you had a bunch of categories that were split for color and black and white movies. Um, but so Mary Poppins had 13 nominations. My Fair Lady and Beckett both had 12 nominations. Uh, films called Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte and Zorba the Greek had seven nominations. I've never heard of either of those. Uh, the Unsinkable Molly Brown had six. And I did not know that Dr. Strangelove only had four. Um, that actually surprised me. Um, I don't like Dr. Strangelove. Oh my god. Okay, just break my heart. That's fine. I don't like um, it. I've seen it four times. I don't like it. I love it. I don't. But that also might be because I watched it for the first time when I was in eighth grade and like fell in love with it I and you know there's someone I was in 10th grade you know though that like things that you loved in middle school like just always hold a special place in your heart bro why do you think I still care about iCarly I literally as I said that I was like she knows what I'm talking about Lex knows what I'm talking about Lex knows what you're um, talking about but so My Fair Lady was nominated for best picture best director best actor best supporting actor for Stanley Holloway best supporting actress for Gladys Cooper best screenplay based on material from another medium um best art direction color best cinematography color best costume design color best film editing best scoring of music adaptation or treatment and best sound also where is our best adapted um scoring of music oscar and why did they get rid of it bring it back yeah for real um, like i would like to see that come back uh, but My Fair Lady won eight awards, Mary Poppins won five, and Zorba the Greek won three awards. Um, it My Fair Lady won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, Best Scoring of Music, uh, Adaptation, and Best Sound. I also thought it was quite cute that Audrey Hepburn presented the award for Best Actor to Rex Harrison, um, which worked out nicely for them. Uh, and then another fun fact that I had is that Judy Garland performed a Cole Porter medley um, at this year's awards. They did not have a performance um, from My Fair Lady, but I, because I went to like see, I was like, I don't think they did, but I did discover that Judy Garland performed. So amazing. I so same. 
what are your thoughts on this? I honestly did not realize that this movie had that many Oscars. I didn't either. Here's here's the weird thing is I love Audrey Hepburn. I love Julie Andrews. Yep. Do I think Audrey deserved a nomination for this movie? Yes. Yeah. Would I still give the win to Julie Andrews? Also, yes. Yeah. Um. Now, do I think... I don't know. I go back and forth on, like, whether or not Julie Andrews was more deserving. As if, like, you can't win twice. Um, right. I go back and forth of whether Julie Andrews was more deserving on this or Sound of Music. Um, but mm. I actually think Mary Poppins. Because, I mean, it's, it's a difficult role. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the movie itself was such a technical feat at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, the blending of... So the thing that got me into movies was when I was a kid, I had this Mary Poppins VHS tape. And ever since I was born, pretty much, I've always been the kind of person that, like, picks one movie and I just <laughs> rewatch it until I'm sick of it. And when I was a kid, it was Mary Poppins for a long time. Um, I used to perform Jolly Holiday and I would play all the characters myself. That tracks. I would do the animal voices. I made everybody on a Disney bus applaud. Um, because they were all amazed at how quickly I could change my voice um, I love that. but um I remember my Mary Poppins VHS tape had a um had a like behind the scenes featurette after the credits and it was like one of the, like the first uses not like the first use but one of the first real uses of like a green screen in the way that we know it today yeah. Like, yeah. Disney had kind of worked into that early on with some of, like, his early cartoons, even. But that mm. was, like, one of, like, some of the technology used in Mary Poppins just was, like, groundbreaking for the time. Um, the way that they were able to take, like, these actual oil paintings and turn them into, not backdrops, but do the multiple camera planes or whatever that made it look like it had depth. Um, yeah. So that way, in the scenes, like when they're walking through, like the chalk drawing with supercalifragilistic expialidocious and all, like that was just that had never been done before. Um, and so mm. I think in that aspect, Mary Poppins deserved best picture. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't dislike Mary Poppins. I, I love My Fair Lady. I'm not necessarily mad at it winning. I just think like My Fair Lady, like both movies withstand the test of time, right? Like. Both yeah. have been regarded as classics. Um, I think both are very, you know, I've said before that, like, I sincerely believe that a lineup of Best Picture nominations should be something that kind of captures mm-hmm. the era. And I think both of those movies do that. I, I feel, I, they feel very related. Um, I yeah. can definitely see Julie Andrews in that role, but, um. I don't know. I just, I think Mary Poppins and like personal bias aside, I think Mary Poppins would have been the better winner that year. I agree, honestly. Um, Obviously, I like don't know what people were thinking at the time, but I especially can see that like with Mary Poppins having more nominations that people might have thought it was going to win. Um, I think it would be, God, if it had won, it would be such a cool winner too, because like to have a a children's film and I say that with like air quotes because you know I think Mary Poppins is very much like a film that appeals to all ages but 
in many ways it, it is a family film and to have one of those win best picture I think would be also like quite cool and it's something that you did see more in this time period than you do today um I also like I don't think My Fair Lady is a bad winner per se it's a very like impressive film in terms of like costume and and sets and all those sorts of things but I don't think it's a particularly like how do I put this I don't think it's it's innovative in any way like either on a technical front or a storytelling front like this was an age where you had big grand movie musicals it's not like it was the first um it's not like you hadn't seen sort of things on a similar level um and you know I like the work that Audrey Hepburn is doing Rex Harrison is fine but like I don't think anyone's giving like a particularly super impressive performance that like we didn't know they were capable of type of of thing in it um I would argue that what Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke are doing in Mary Poppins is much more impressive um even if Dick Van Dyke's accent is like unforgivable okay to be fair though Audrey you Hepburn's accent. hired a dialect coach. Well, and also Audrey Hepburn's accent isn't far off. So. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, the, and like, the two of them should have done a bit on the Oscars and their Cockney accents. Yeah. I, um, yeah. But I, I, there are a handful of the, to, to look at like nominations specifically for this year. I'm gonna be very honest and say I don't know why Gladys Cooper is nominated really for playing Mrs. <laughs> Higgins. Um, I mean, like I guess literally pickings. Like, why is she there? Like, there's gotta have been somebody else that they could have chosen. Um, like, surely there was someone in the unsinkable Molly Brown. I haven't seen it in a while, but or, I'm positive um, there was a woman. Oh my god! Oh my god! What's her name? Hang on! Hang on! Hang on! I'm so mad at myself that I don't know it off the top of my uh, Glennis Johns for um Mary Poppins. Yeah, she was fantastic as Mrs. Banks. Exactly. Like that would have been a much better nomination there. I think the fact that Rex Harrison won for this is frankly embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> like it definitely feels like one of those things where it's like a coattail win in terms of like people who knew they were picking this for best picture are going down and are like, sure, we'll give him best actor. Um, personally in this lineup, I would either give it to Peter O'Toole for Beckett or to Peter Sellers for Dr. Strangelove. He's playing like all the characters in, you know, so many characters there. Um, I, I don't think what Rex Harrison is doing is a good performance because it's not that much of a performance and he's not singing. <laughs> like not to be, I mean, I also just am anti Rex Harrison. I, like you said, if I could, I would fit Audrey Hepburn into the lineup. I think she deserved a nomination. Um, if not, the, like, I don't, I think I would have still given Julie Andrews the win. Um, I am fascinated by the fact that Father Goose won Best Story and Screenplay written directly for the screen this year. I love Father Goose. I mean, I've not seen it in a few years. Um, but it's like a very fun, like rom com movie. Um and yeah, it's actually I think it's a movie that you would really enjoy if you've not seen it. Um and it's like it's Cary Grant and Leslie Caron, and it's set during World War II, but worry not, it's not like a real war film. It's basically that, like, I forget the exact, like, circumstances of how they end up there, um, but essentially Cary Grant is playing this, like, Navy guy who's, like, um, 
on this boat. I'm trying to remember how he, I don't know. It's, it's a whole thing. It's, um, it's cute. It's a rom-com, which is like fascinating. And like, basically part of it is that like Leslie Caron's character has all these like schoolgirls under her care. Um, and they end up like stuck on the boat with him. Um, and then of course they fall in love as they have to and it's like low-key enemies to lovers and it's very cute but it's also one of those things where like I can't imagine a rom-com winning original screenplay now um but it's fun to know that there was a time when that happened yeah you know um I don't what is one nomination that I forgot to say that I'm actually amazed like what I would swap yeah what so I'm so sorry, but I would take out, which granted, I've not seen to- Top Copy. Yeah. Um, which one? I've yeah. not seen Beckett. Um, and looking at it, I don't think I ever will. Um, <laughs> I've not seen Seven Days in May, and I've also not seen The Best Man. So literally the only nominee for the category <laughs> I have seen is My Fair Lady. So yeah. I don't necessarily know if I would have given Stanley Holloway a um supporting actor nomination for this like i was thinking i was like man with a little bit of luck is it slaps that song slaps is he like (laughs) is it kind of the only scene that like i'm enjoying his performance in yeah um yeah i am actually shocked that um david tomlinson didn't get a nomination for mary poppins justice for the banks yeah yeah Um, David Tomlinson's giving my favorite performance in Mary Poppins. Like we've we've talked on the Oscar Central podcast about our love of saving Mr. Banks. It's like Mr. Banks is actually the heart of that movie. And I think yeah. he gives a really great does a really great job in that film. Um and so Justice for the Bankses. Yeah. Dick Van Dyke you was not ready for Mary Poppins either, but I, I can't say that I'm shocked. I yeah. I love I actually love Dick Van Dyke's performance in Mary Poppins. I like, was gonna say I really like what he's doing in Earth it. Was my original like, like comfort character as a kid. Yeah, I can um, see that. And yeah, no, I love and I don't know. My dad loves Dick Van Dyke's performance in Mary Poppins, and so like I've always kind of associated like I have good childhood memories okay. of Mary Poppins yeah. with my dad. Like it's just like I've got like a lot of sentimental attachment to it. I wouldn't necessarily say he's giving like an Oscar worthy performance in that movie though. But I, I feel like I feel like if you're saying that Stanley Holloway is giving an Oscar nomination worthy performance. But see, that is that is the other thing. Then Dick Van Dyke is. Right. That is my thing though. Is like if we're gonna right, like, no, that's exactly right. Of like, I don't think Stanley Holloway is giving like a Oscar worthy performance. Again, oh. I would take Stanley Holloway's nomination. Maybe there's another nominee that like deserves to take it away more. Do I'm you not- know what I would do actually if i had control of these categories mm-hmm. is i would literally take the three acting nominations that my fair lady did get but then i would give it the one that it didn't get which is audrey hepper um would say that again like so i would it got three acting nominations right best actor supporting actor and supporting actress i would take all three away oh but you would only keep up or you would give one and, and i would put in audrey which is the one person who didn't get the nominee it's honestly i would do what i would also have done for being the ricardos which is like take the three that it got give the one it didn't get <laughs> yeah no i agree that's the thing is like i would still give it to julie andrews for the win 
but same I would, but i would give I, audrey the nomination i'd give her the nomination for sure yeah but i would take out all three no yeah no i would take out all three i would take out mm-hmm. best actor supporting actor and i would i mean again my knowledge of the films of this year is not vast. Yeah. So literally all I'm basing this off of is Mary Poppins. But mm-hmm. I would give it to David Tomlinson, um, Glynis Johns, and Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I um, I don't remember. I've seen Beckett, but it was a long time ago. And I don't particularly remember John Gilgood in it. But I'm going to give him the win for supporting actor purely because he's a f- uh, former president of RADA and I love him. Um. Let's see. I'm seeing what else. Obviously, I mean, I don't think it's like any big surprise that My Fair Lady won Best Score to Music Adaptation. Although, I do think it's 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 a fair toss up between that and Mary Poppins. Um, like, I, I think it's interesting though that like Mary Poppins is able to be in in that court category and best music score substantially original which okay this is exactly the time period that i love the names of all these awards they're so weirdly (laughs) specific yep which is is fun um i'm trying to look it's interesting that my fair lady got best sound and i bet it's because of that whole thing of the fact that um rex harrison did all of his stuff live um instead of dubbing which is like fair enough but that was new at the time. I really go back and forth on if I would actually give this best art direction or if I would give best art direction to Mary Poppins. I actually think I'd give best art direction to Mary Poppins, which again, yeah, that opening sequence of all those flowers, simply gorgeous. But yeah. the fact that Mary Poppins had so much going on and there's so much to like, I think also think Mary Poppins when they like float in the air. Like, well, I also think it feels slightly more real yeah. than My Fair Lady does. My Fair Lady feels very artificial. Yeah. Um, which was the style at the time. And like there's a lot of these musicals, but I actually think it feels more artificial than like Mary Poppins or even more artificial than like Gigi, which is around this time period too. Um, which whenever you're failing in comparison to Gigi, something's gone wrong. Um, in terms of cinematography, I see the argument that like you could give this cinematography over Mary Poppins. Um, And I also, I do think that like costume design is one place that I I am comfortable saying. Costume design. That said, um, I do love, um, gosh, I'm having a, I'm sorry. I'm having a brain fart. Um, I do love What a Way to Go, and I think the costumes mm-hmm. are great. And I don't know. And it's if Edith Head. Establish this. I am an Edith Head stan. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, actually, that's a set of fantastic costume design nominees. Yeah. Um, for costume design and color. Um, I truly don't know what's going on with any of the costume design, black and whites. <laughs> I would give Edith Head an Oscar for literally every single film she did costume design for. Why she yeah, didn't get an Oscar nomination, much less a win for White Christmas. Um, Horrific. We need to talk about it. Those those blue dresses, like, come on. They should have gotten it for those alone. I, um, I do think that Mary Poppins definitely deserved best film editing over My Fair Lady, which is yeah, what happened. Sure. It um, had Dancing Penguins. 
Right. Like, I think, like, that was just a lot more. Well, and also, like, aside from that, even if you say, that, like, okay, well, they're getting visual effects and that, like, really encapsulates that. Like, there's so much editing happening with all the little, like, magic tricks that are in it. Yeah. Um, That, like, I just think they the have to The way the chimney sweeps all go up the chimney. Yeah. And, or the, the like you said, the flying flies, in the air. The way she flies like, over London. Yeah. There's there's also just like a lot of editing happening in that that I think is really like clever, um, even aside from like the effects. So I love that. But I mean, I'm I'm happy that like Mary Poppins and My Fair Lady essentially like split a lot of the whims. Um, because it, it I do think that like both of them are are films that like deserve to be Oscar winning films. Yeah. Also, like truly TVG to a time when there were so many more categories. Um, so weirdly specific, too. Yeah, although I imagine, I like, say... the Fablemans being nominated, it's, like, best screenplay yeah. that's loosely based off the director's life. <laughs> I do kind of wish that they still had some sort of category that was for, like, best, the best scoring of music adaptation or treatment, that they could put things in, like, you know musicals that are based on like pre-existing musicals or like you know whenever um there's like a star wars score that like really has too much themes from previous films in it like to really be its own score Mm -hmm. like you could put those into that category and it could even be the kind of category where you only have it if there's enough things eligible you know how like there's certain rules around Tony categories where, like, you have to have a certain number of eligible nominees for the category to happen that year. Yeah. They could do something like that, but then it, it could, like, if they'd done that a couple years ago, then we could have had, like, Cyrano and Tick, Tick, God. Boom and In oh. the Heights and, like, that year of musicals we could have, and West Side Story, for that matter. And we could have had all those recognized because, like, there is adaptation work that goes into taking something for the stage and making it work in a movie and and yeah i just makes me sad then maybe sarano could be an oscar winner or at least an oscar nominee well it wasn't Um, me it just yeah i mean i meant like a a multiple nominee yeah if you want to if you ever want to hear me on a soapbox yeah i mean same though. There no um, original song though for the movie that should have been nominated. I agree. It should have won for that matter, but you know, one best picture. I don't disagree. I don't either. Why well, said it? <laughs> All right. So, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss before we wrap up? Uh, the vampire AU, my fair lady fan fiction you sent me. <laughs> oh that. yeah. We're going to discuss that fiction hour. Everybody grab a cup of tea. Get cozy. That's what I always do before I read fan fiction. Um, if anyone wants us to, we'll we'll launch a Patreon that's just me and Lex reading fan fiction aloud. That's, uh, not, that's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> I mean, I oh my god, it. wait. Hold on. If you're listening, don't steal my idea. We should go on Shark Tank and pick okay. an app where it's like audible but for fan fiction <laughs> and i think there's probably be- legalities that would be issues there with copyright no but- i'm a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> and i'm realizing that 
fan fiction no fan fiction's fine i asked in class once i literally asked in my intellectual property class if fan fiction was okay and so the issue is it's fine as long as you're not making money off of it or it's fine yeah or it's fine if the work is in the public domain which is why there's a lot of published books of like jane austen fanfic we don't have to make money Um, (laughs) i don't care about money i care about reading fan fiction I love this. So then we can't go on Shark Tank. Okay. Well, anyway. that that was my point. We can we can do a Patreon, but we can't go on Shark Tank. Um. All right. Well, join our Patreon yeah. where I will make my app where it's like Audible but for fan fiction. Except the, the thing is, like, I get to pick the fan fiction. So it's all just like Eddie Munson fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say Eddie Munson fanfics and, and the My Fair Lady fanfic. My Fair Lady, and then a handful of Spencer Shea fan fiction because those always make me laugh. That tracks. I'm also going to track down the worst Harry Potter uh, pairings and put them into there. Um, because that's what I used to whenever there was a summer that I lived in New York during college. And and I used to, in the evening, sometimes uh, go and find like a truly horrifically weird pairing and then read it aloud to my roommates like it was a bedtime story um, in the evenings. And it was great fun. And I want to do that for the masses. Um, but anyways so so that lex and i can wrap up this episode so we can go read that vampire uh piece of literature about my fair lady um what is your letter grade for my fair lady b plus okay i'm gonna give it a c plus because i i don't think it's a great like adaptation of the source material and i think that all of the performances other than audrey hepburn are like pretty like mid to not great you know, if Mary Poppins had won, we could have looked up Mary Poppins fan fiction. We and could've. I would have given it, th- this would have been maybe my first A+. I would have given it an A, if it makes you feel any better. Yeah. Um, And would you say this is a great, fine, or bad best picture win? Again, much like Moonlight, I am once again asking if there's something between fine. No, you got to pick. It's good. <laughs> it's good. That's, I'm going to say this is fine. Like, I don't fine. think it's. Like Mary I don't Poppins think it would have been great. Well, that's the thing. Like Mary Poppins would have been great, especially there's nothing like innovative about this. There's nothing particularly I just new. like it. It's it's fine. It's it's a good movie. Um I like it. Well, that's, well, that's what I'm Eliza saying like we have a There's a difference between like do you think this is a good movie and like do you think this is a good best picture no, one? No, that's true. I think it's a good movie, but I think it's a fine best picture one. Okay. exactly like that's the thing like i think that this is the definition of a fine best picture win like i think there's something else that should have gone to instead that was innovative in the category um but this isn't like a, a bad pick um it's fine <laughs> and no matter what it's better than crash um right. well i say that but until no. next time when we see if if it is possible to be worse than crash yeah. Um, um next week we will be delving into million dollar baby um from crash fame paul haggis um yeah isn't haggis never mind yeah um nicole where can people find you on the internet you can find me on the internet writing fan fiction about freddie from my fair lady um i'm just kidding <laughs> i feel like i need to clarify that because that is believable um but no you can find me on twitter instagram and letterboxd at nicole ackman 16 you can find me on instagram and twitter at at lex willie w-i-l-l-i underscore and on tiktok at at moonshine 
Moon Shoes Alexi and on um AO3 at um Henry Henry Higgins is a vampire. What what 92. <laughs> <laughs> this has been, I don't know where the what what came from, but there we go. Um it's been another episode part. of Best Picture Rewind, and it is once again past my bedtime. Um join us next week where we talk about Million Dollar Baby. And until then, have a good one.